0: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Coffee Explorer podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Stone, and today we are going to be speaking with Talk About Talk founder, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. She is obsessed with communication and specifically with coaching ambitious executives on their communication skills to help get them noticed. Early in her career, Andrea earned her MBA and worked in brand management at Kraft Foods, then her doctorate in business marketing from Harvard Business School, where she focused on, guess what, communication, specifically why and how people talk. Andrea served on the faculty of the University of Toronto Rotman School of Management, where she taught in the MBA program, and she also has a podcast called Talk About Talk. You can learn more about Andrea at coffeeexplorer.net and check out the links for this episode. It's my mission to connect coffee drinkers and coffee lovers with better cups of coffee and with amazing coffee producers. I thought that Andrea would be a wonderful guest to have on the Coffee Explorer podcast because so much of that conversation happens around that cup of coffee, and the art of communicating and conveying the intention is very important. Andrea gives us some great tips and tricks in this episode. She covers some taboo topics that we don't need to be discussing in the cafe. And before you put that lanyard on your neck and head to your next trade show, you've got to hear Andrea's number one tip for entering a room full of strangers. I actually give Andrea the microphone to speak for all Canadians and their coffee drinking choices. She does a great job telling us how she experiences coffee in Toronto. Hello, Andrea, and thank you for joining me today on the Coffee Explorer podcast. I'm so glad you're here.
1: I am so delighted to be here, Jen. Thank you for inviting me.
0: My pleasure. And you're calling us from Canada. Uh, I'm so glad that you can give us a little insight into the Canadian coffee culture. We'll get into that. So Andrea, I've I've already told the audience that you are, among other things, an expert in communication. And you've taught me so much over the last several months about communicating clearly, clearly. Succinctly, I'm going to ramble on about it for a few minutes, and then I'll let you button it up. But I think today's episode is talk about coffee talk, and I think that you know we've all had that experience. In fact, my first experience of, of note in coffee, I was sitting in a cafe drinking coffee. I was actually journaling, but there were people everywhere, and and there's, there's just this whole thing that happened that happens in cafes, and the experience after that altered my life. It's, set my life path. We were talking about what happens in the cafes today, but what are some of your thoughts about community in the cafe?
1: That's a great question to start with, Jen, especially since that is how your whole business here started, right? And I was imagining as you were describing that, that the founder of Starbucks may have had the same epiphany, but then decided to commercialize it, right? Because my understanding is that Starbucks is being positioned as, or has been positioned as the third place. The first place is our home. The second place is our work. And the third kind of important place where we interact with people and where we enjoy our coffee is obviously in the coffee shop and then making that into a real destination. And in terms of community and social interaction, I mean, whether you're you're going to a franchised coffee shop be it a Tim Hortons here in Canada or a Starbucks or anything in between, or whether it's, you know, the mom and pop really special one-off place. And we've, I've got both in my neighborhood. I live near Yonge Street in Toronto that has coffee shops, you know, several on every block. It, it really is a place where people don't just go to functionally buy their coffee. They go to socially interact. And I think the whole experience of the COVID pandemic has really really brought this message home for us at the end of my street there is a a south american i'm not sure which country it is to be honest but it's a south american coffee shop and there were lineups of people because they were only allowed to have two people in the coffee shop at a time at one point during the pandemic there were huge lineups. And I was like, wow. So, and there there were usually people were in groups of two waiting. So they were socializing outside the cafe, you know, waiting their turn to go in to experience this beautiful, beautiful cup of coffee that they serve there. Right. And, and I saw people at lineups in the other coffee shops as well. But I, I guess the point is that sometimes whether, whether we're meeting with a friend that we just, you know, we miss seeing or, whether we're establishing a business connection with someone, right? Or maybe it's a first date. A coffee shop is a wonderful destination where you kind of have an activity, hopefully that both of you are enjoying, that is drinking your coffee, enjoying your coffee, and then enjoying each other's company.
0: Let's talk about having that happenstance conversation with someone at the table next to you.
1: I love the topic of small talk. There, I mean, there's so many things, people... People generally dread small talk, right? But there, there's some hacks that I can share that can make it a lot easier. So imagine you're sitting at, at a cafe and you're waiting for someone to join you and they just texted you and they said they're going to be 15 minutes late. So you're sitting there. And then someone at the next table might smile in a way that says like they're open to conversation. And a, a couple of things. So first of all, if there's two people there, you need to know you're the third wheel. So one of the pieces of advice that I have when networking, when you're sort of strategically networking, you're going to a conference, is if you're looking for people to start to initiate a conversation with, look for odd numbers. So you look for one person, or you look for three people, or you look for five people. Because if you walk into a conversation where there's two people talking, you're interrupting a dialogue. Whereas if you walk into, if you join one person, you're initiating a dialogue with them, right? Or if you walk into three people, there's probably an odd man out who's happy to bring you into the conversation. So just make a mental note next to you. If there's one person there, probably going to be a better, more comfortable conversation than if there were two people there because you you introduced yourself as the third wheel.
0: I can tell you how many times, like the last trade show I went to, I don't mind small talk. I'm like, I've got a gift for it. But I have walked up to Paris so many times. It felt yeah. like that knucklehead was like, oh, okay. and they drifted back away.
1: Oh, I actually learned this hack from a, a colleague of mine who I've been doing uh, workshops with. She's an executive search consultant. And so she, a big part of her job is networking. And she said, you know, always approach odd numbers. And then soon after she taught me that, I, I went to one of those big conferences, you know, where you go in, you're wearing a name tag, you grab yourself a drink, you turn around and there's a sea of strangers. And I'm like you, Jen, I'm an extrovert. I, I love meeting people, but I still get that little shot of adrenaline, right? Where I'm like, oof, who do I talk to? This could be awkward, right? And then I remembered what my friend Sharon said, and I saw a table with three guys standing at, at one of those stand up tables, and I walked over, and and I was like, "Thank you, Sharon, just for sharing that with me, because it gave me a little confidence. It, it kind of gave me a prescription, and then I could, as I was walking over, I was thinking about what I was going to say instead of, oh, I should have gone somewhere else." Back to the coffee, the coffee shop context. Yes. If there's one person or three people next to you, it's probably going to be a much more natural conversation than if there's two people sitting there, because again, you're you're introducing yourself as the as the third wheel. The other big thing small talk is ask questions. So if you're wondering what to say, don't ask yourself, what should I say? Ask, what should I ask? So you could compliment somebody on something and then ask them where they got it, right? So I love your phone case. Where is there a story behind that? Right. Or, you know, what a cool purse you have. Where did you get it? Or something, you know, ask a question and using visual cues. People love talking about themselves. And if you kind of prompt a question, people love telling stories. And and there's all sorts of research about monopolizing conversations and how that's a big no no. And the more you can encourage other people to talk and the less you yourself talk, the more they're going to like you. And, the more you're going to learn. Which reminds me, people love hearing their own name. So if if the person that is preparing the coffee for you, if they're wearing a name tag, don't just ask them how they are, but ask ask them how are you doing today, Jen? Right? Like ask use their name. There's it, it's been said that of all the words in any language, the one word that is our most favorite to hear is our own name. Well,
0: Andrea, that is great
1: advice. <laughs> I have several communication skills frameworks that I coach people on and all of them. I just, did, I just did one this morning. I did a workshop on listening skills. In all of these frameworks, asking questions shows up somewhere.
0: Huh.
1: Asking questions is key. So you want to ask lots of questions and you want to ask really good questions. And how do you, how do you define good questions? Good questions usually are open-ended, right? So questions like why or how or... What do you think about is a a great way to kind of stage an open-ended question. I think that interviewing people for my podcast, and you probably found the same thing, is really helping me to establish my question-asking skills and and even my listening skills.
0: It really takes a lot of concentration. When you ask someone why, you've got to hold up your end of the bargain for caring.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so... I I interviewed someone recently who talked a lot about holding space. And I really love that term. It's like, it's like you're showing someone respect by holding space for them, which could mean silence. So it could mean when you ask a question or maybe they start something and then they hesitate instead of jumping in, like we think we're rescuing them, but it may actually be interpreted as disrespect. And the most respectful thing you could do is just to smile and nod and encourage them and hold space for them to keep talking. You're reminding me of another piece of advice that I I find really helps a lot and it's just this crack the ratio. And I said earlier that people will like you more and you'll learn you, you'll learn more if you talk less and listen more. You know that there's a saying we have two ears and one mouth and we should use them in that ratio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether you're in the back of a of a lift car or whether you're in a phone conversation with your mentor or whether you're sitting at a coffee shop with someone who you're considering doing business with, track the ratio of who's talking. And and as I said earlier, really register on what's my purpose here. And by the way, this doesn't just apply to professional contexts. I I remember being at a, a book club a while ago and sitting in one of my friend's living rooms and consciously thinking, what's my purpose here? oh yeah, my purpose is to, you know, get updated on everyone's lives and then to talk about this amazing book. And I realized that my mind was kind of wandering. And and if we can be more mindful about what our purpose is in everything that we do, we can be more productive. And and so many of our experiences can be more satisfying.
0: That reminds me of the the coffee, any journey when you're on a trip, or you're aspiring for a goal, like you just want to get there. You're like, I can't wait to get there. Or the next thing, like, oh, I'm having this amazing dinner, but tomorrow we're going to go to the turtle wildlife habitat or something. And it's like, if just stopping in the world to be where you are is a really important thing. Otherwise, why go do the thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, there's so many distractions. And and I tell people like, don't, don't be so hard on yourself because first of all, in our current environment, you know, with even without technology, but then layer technology on top of it. We have so many distractions. It's so easy for our mind to get distracted and, and stressed out by other things. But the other thing is we're smart. And so having simply one stimulus that we're focusing on can, can be a little boring for our smart brains, but we have to train ourselves. I really encourage people to train themselves to be mindful and focused and just ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I here?
0: All right, communication queen. How terrible is it to pick up your phone while you're talking with someone who's kind of a stranger or not?
1: Honestly, it is completely offensive. And there is research that shows even having your phone on the table turned upside down sends a signal that the person that you're with is not your priority. So, just I mean, I do that all the time. I've got three kids they need to be able to contact me, right? No matter where I am.
0: Right.
1: Since I read that research, I've been telling people I'm going to leave my phone turned upside down. If it rings, I'm just going to check who it is. If it's my kids, otherwise I'm going to ignore it. But I just want you to know why, so that I'm consciously articulating you are my first priority here. It's a big pet peeve. And to be honest, I have close friends who will interrupt a conversation that I'm having with them when the phone rings and they won't even say anything. And, you know, maybe it's, it's implicit flattery where they're saying, Andrea, we're so close that you don't mind if I do this, but it's rude. Like it is objectively rude.
0: Yeah. Not subjectively or personally it's wrong. Do you agree? Yeah, Yeah. I do. And you know, I find myself doing it.
1: Since I read this research, if your phone is visible when you're in a conversation Tell the person why.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've noticed it in like power meetings. Sometimes the person at the head of the table is allowed to look at their phone, but not everybody else.
1: I've been in board meetings where the chair of the board is check, literally checking his email while somebody is giving a presentation, and I'm thinking, "Wow, <laughs> he's like he should be thinking of himself as a role model, and instead he's multitasking in the middle of a board meeting that
0: he's running." It's so wrong. Yeah. Thank you for that hard and best rule on <laughs> etiquette period. So back to the conversation on communication community in the, the cafe, give me some do's and don'ts.
1: Okay. Do's and don'ts in terms of establishing, you know, a comfortable, productive, however you want to describe it, positive interaction and communication when you're, when you're sitting down for coffee with someone. Well, first I'm going to say what I've said. I sound like a broken record. But if you're ever lost for words, ask a question. Ask lots of questions and ask open-ended questions. And you can kind of imagine you're hosting. If If things are awkward, so maybe you're meeting someone for the second, met someone at a conference and you thought there may be an opportunity to do business with them. Let's go out for coffee. And if things are socially awkward, just imagine you're the host. Say, so how was how was your drive here? How did you get here? Did you take public transit or? did you drive and how was how did you find parking? The kind of question that you would ask someone if they arrived at your house for for a dinner party or something, right? So you want you want to make people feel comfortable. so that's the that's really the first do is ask questions. And the second thing is if you're ever at a loss for words looking for commonalities. So it could be, people. It could be roles. It could be possessions. It could be neighborhoods. It could be where you live. It could be what you do. It could be your hobbies. Just if someone's given you a cue, it could be from something that they mentioned or something that they're wearing or something that they're carrying. You could say, oh, I, you, you mentioned that you have kids. How many kids do you have? Oh, I've got this many kids as well. Or you could say, you know, we, we initially met at such and such event and you told me that your employer's head office was in Texas. I lived in Texas as well. So establishing commonality will instantly prescribe a script for you to talk about, right? So you have a topic that you can, you can explore together in conversation. So looking for commonality is, is I think a great thing to do as well as asking questions. And then I have two don'ts. One is don't talk too much, which I've mentioned several times in this conversation. I won't go into that one again. The second one is with regard to taboo topics. And I know that taboo conversations is a very significant question that a lot of people have. And the reason I, one reason that I know that is that it's the most searched term on my website. If you go to talk about talk, I have a search bar and the most searched term is what to do about taboo topics in the workplace, or what are taboo topics or definition of taboo. And I know people are really interested in what are they? What can we talk about? What can't we talk about? And so my answer is always really, it depends on the context, but unless somebody else brings it up and, or you know them very, very well, my advice is to steer clear. So that means politics. That means Sex, that can that means anything. So even things like nowadays getting vaccines, there that can really you know they're they that can lead to a political divide, right? So just let the if the other person brings it up, then go ahead and engage with them in conversation. So taboo topics can be things that we are biologically intrinsically wired to avoid. They're also the things where people have extreme opinions, and that's why you know, they generally should be avoided unless you know someone really, really well. And unless they, I should add, not only bring it up, but they explicitly, hopefully identify what their position is on the taboo topic. Anyway, that's a, that's a long way of saying that in terms of don'ts, you you asked me for do's and don'ts for the don'ts, don't talk too much, which I've now done. And secondly, avoid taboo topics,
0: (laughs) Just stay away from the taboo. Keep it light. That's my philosophy. So Andrea, you've touched a little bit on some of the Canadian coffee culture, prolific cafes. Tim Hortons has, you know, had a huge impact on the coffee business in Canada. What are people drinking that you've noticed? In terms of coffee,
1: I, I, obviously it depends on the season. So in Toronto, where I live, we have cold, 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 snowy crazy snowy winters and people are craving their, their, you know, hot drinks obviously, but then in the summer. So I know, the reason I mentioned this is that I know in some parts of the States, it's so hot all the time that it's always cough coffee, coffee on ice or, or like a different kind of drink. And I don't know if this is the same in the U S as it is in Canada, but the seasonal drinks are like, you know, pumpkin spice latte. Right or, you know, green colored drinks or or peppermint flavored in December, whatever. So the, the seasonal drinks, I think people really, they're looking for novelty, almost not novelty in a bad way. I just mean like something new. So a twist on something, whether it be, you know, it's an evolution from my winter drink to my summer drink, and then back or celebrating the season.
0: Thank you for that quick trip to Canada coffee shop. And you at home, I think you told me you use. French press? Yeah, we. So
1: I have to admit this. I know this sounds horrible, but we buy Starbucks ground coffee and we have two stainless steel French presses and we use those. And it's very, my husband likes it. He makes it in the morning very, very, very strong. Like if someone ever comes over for for a coffee and he's made it, I will add, I'll let them taste it and they'll say, yeah, please add some because he makes it so strong. Yeah, And I've been adding, I've been experimenting with different kinds of milk and I'm actually enjoying trying it with almond milk or soy milk or chocolate almond milk and sweetened and unsweetened. That's what I've been trying lately. And it's kind of fun. I think it takes, it takes a bit of the edge off. It feels a little bit more like an indulgence when it has a a creamy taste to it.
0: So I am not adverse to adding this these milks to uh, like a really dark roast like a Starbucks coffee because I don't enjoy that taste of the roast as much, especially um if I haven't done it myself, I'll be honest. I think those alternate milks can make that more of an experience. And then I just heard today that Oatly, which is like oat milk phenomenon, is going public. Andrea, we met through Seth Godin's Akimbo workshops, and I know that you are well-versed on his products and his philosophies. What have you learned there, or maybe with one of his books that you've read, any, any riffs?
1: Yeah, so Jen, I should have mentioned this before. I have to tell you that I listened to your interview of his, and I loved the conversation that you had with him. I am a Seth Godin fan, and I've heard him interviewed by many people. And when he's talking about his books, you kind of you hear the same thing. And with you, it really was such a unique conversation. And, and I learned a little bit more about, you know, his wife and his neighbor who, you know, who was a Broadway performer. And it was like this new glimpse into Seth Godin's life. So I really enjoyed that. I wanted to say congratulations and thank you for, for creating such a fantastic podcast. Some of the favorite learnings from Seth that I really enjoy. So when he Earth published his book, The Purple Cow, which was mid-1990s. I read that. And at the time, I was working as a brand manager. And then I, I moved to Boston, where I was studying to earn my doctorate at Harvard Business School in, in word of mouth. And basically, that was kind of the premise of the book was word of mouth and, 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 you know, establishing marketers, establishing things that consumers would then end up talking about. So that that actually helped fuel my interest in word of mouth. So I thank him for that. He has these these kind of lines, or I would call them sort of mantras that he consistently encourages his students and, and anyone who's listening to him. And so his whole thing about just ship it, like just go, go, go and ship it. Like I I think it's so true. As an entrepreneur, we, we want everything to be perfect. But if you waited for everything to be perfect, you'd be too late. So you gotta just go, 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 ship it, you know, get onto a schedule. I, I think probably more than anything, that piece of advice, I really, really appreciate. And then also his whole take, which you touched on in your conversation with him in your podcast episode about really knowing who who your consumer is, but also knowing what your product is. So there are a lot of marketing gurus out there who talk about niching down your product and really focusing on your your target market and knowing who you, who they are and it seems to me that Seth's perspective is more about really knowing what your product is and then not expecting it to be necessarily appreciated by the masses. It's, and it's not about increasing the size of your audience. It's about optimizing your product for the people who will enjoy it. And I I think it actually takes guts in a business environment in, in our current culture where it's like all about the consumer. I think, that is incredibly important, but he's got this other voice that's encouraging us to have some self-respect, have some focus on excellence in what we're delivering in, in the product. So I really appreciate that as well.
0: Well said. And you just articulated for me something I didn't realize is one of his anthems, the whole community conversation and community aspect. He mentioned it in our conversation and it was like a novel insight when he he talked about it. He's been consistent
1: (laughs) over the years. So so Jen, that's your interview with him so special because he went off script and I think you'd be really proud of that.
0: Thank you. I'll let my producer know. So a couple more things and then I'm going to ask you a very important question. What's next on the radar for you? What's on your... Your radar in your world right now, talk about talk. Oh,
1: thank you for asking. So I've I've been really busy growing talk about talk, and I'm continuing to have weekly newsletters and bi-weekly podcasts, which I'm loving about half of the podcast episodes. I'm interviewing people who are an expert in some area of communication that can help help people. And my main target is really ambitious executives who are looking to step it up, right? Like they wanna get noticed for the right reasons and frankly, they wanna get promoted and they know that communication skills can help them do that. So I've been enjoying a lot, very much enjoying working with people one-on-one, doing uh, one-on-one coaching and also doing workshops. And I've done workshops with executives all over the world which has been such a fantastic experience. I would say, especially during the pandemic when we haven't been able to travel, I've been, quote unquote, meeting with people literally all over the world. We're, I mean, India, Asia, Australia, Europe, everywhere, and, and helping them with their communication skills. So, And recently, some of the topics that have been getting a lot of traction include things like personal branding. So really understanding who you are and how you present yourself to the world and networking. And then I I like to talk a lot about what I think the three communication superpowers are listening, confidence, and storytelling. So that's keeping me very busy.
0: When I get your newsletter, your podcast, I mean, I gobble it up. And if I can get one or two things from it, it's just, it's so valuable.
1: When we think of communication, most of us think about talking. Like if you, if you ask someone, are you a good communicator? they would be thinking of them projecting whether it's behind a podium giving a presentation leading a meeting or maybe in small talk but it's it's really about them projecting but the truth is communication is at least two way right it's at least a dialogue so it's as much projecting as it is listening right. we kind of give listening a second seat behind projecting and, and speaking so no.
0: Andrea, as you may or may not know, one of the questions I always ask guests on the Coffee Explorer is to let us know, share a little bit, what's on your coffee table?
1: I have heard you ask this question. I think it's a fantastic question to end with, Jen. And I didn't didn't change what's on my coffee table for this. I'm really happy to say that I have absolute treasures on my coffee table. So I had a big birthday recently. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it was a big one. And one of my best friends hand made me a really big charcuterie tray. She bought the wood, she sanded it, she oiled it, and she put two beautiful handles on it. And she even filled a little knot that was in it, like a knot in the wood. She filled it with turquoise colored putty, because my favorite color on the planet is turquoise and I know. And I was like, wow, like she took time and effort and she put the turquoise in there. And so instead of putting it away in my kitchen, I put it on my coffee table when she gave it to me. And it's been there ever since. And then whenever we have, you know, when the seasons change, back to what I was talking about at the beginning, when the seasons change, I change what I put on on the on top of the charcuterie tray because it takes up most of the coffee table. And right now, there is a turquoise sculpture of a dog, which I love, which I got from my kids for Mother's Day, and a turquoise glass vase, which I also love. So that's what's on my coffee table.
0: I love that color as well. And that's great that everybody knows that about you. The people that are important to you know that about you.
1: Hmm. Awesome. And I, I have to confess, as, as you were just commenting on that, underneath the coffee table and the shelf underneath, It is full. It is full of games and books, you know, the games that I'm hoping our family will play one day instead of watching TV.
0: Well, you definitely wouldn't play them if they weren't there. So at least there's a chance. Exactly. I have learned so much about you today. It's really been a pleasure. And is there anything we've missed that you'd like to share? Oh,
1: well, no, I, I don't need to say anything more about myself. I just want to say that I'm really enjoying your, your podcast, Jen. And I, as I said, I really enjoyed your interview with Seth Godin. And I think you're an outstanding example of, of an entrepreneur who is sharing her expertise and her experiences with the audience. And, and yet you're so humble. And I really admire that a lot.
0: Well, thank you. You've been wonderful. A wonderful guest on today's Coffee Explorer podcast. Thank you you know, the experience of a really good cup of coffee is often affected by the conversation that happens around it. And so learning from Andrea today, some pointers, some ways to refine our conversation was relevant and important and I'm really glad that she was able to share with us her experiences and some pointers and her number one pet peeve which rhymes with cell phone. If you're having a conversation don't pick up the phone and look at it and if you have to have it explain why it's so urgent to have it nearby. Those taboo topics do not need to be discussed with strangers and seriously being the third wheel is worse than you think. That is, I really love her tip about talking to strangers and walking into a conversation and always making sure that there's either one person, three people, or five people, an odd number of people to approach. I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. We didn't speak of it, but Andrea's LinkedIn page at Talk About Talk is very inspiring. She also has a podcast about setting up your LinkedIn page. It really helped me. Thank you, Andrea, for being part of the Coffee Explorer podcast today. And I want to share with everyone that you can experience great coffee for yourself from amazing producers by visiting our sponsors' website, cl.world.ciel.world. And if you want to improve your coffee game or if you think you've got coffee mastered, then it's time for you to take my coffee essentials course. It will definitely improve your coffee knowledge and how you taste coffee. You can learn more about the course by visiting coffeeexplorer.net. Thanks so much for listening today. You can always reach me with your questions and comments and what challenges you're having with coffee. That's Jen, J-E-N, at C-I-E-L dot world.